Welcome to the Inflow Experience Podcast, the only podcast where you'll hear from contact center and customer experience experts about their roles, their lives, and everything in between. I'm Austin Culp, Manager of Customer Success at Inflow CX. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. Awesome. Hey, Benjamin, how's it going? Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm, I'm sure you're a very busy person and uh, we, we really appreciate it. Looking forward to, to the conversation today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's such an interesting topic. I feel like I can speak for hours on uh, contact center automation <laughs> and voice AI. So uh, yeah, really happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, hey, I, I like, again, you know, really appreciate your time and, and want to be mindful of it. Um, you know, on these, on these uh, episodes, Benjamin, I always ask people, um, you know, it's kind of a, an intro to you. What was your first ever job? So would love to get some insight into, you know, what your first job was, maybe a, a lesson you learned from it that you carry with you today. Yeah, that's a, a very nostalgic question. I like that. Uh, you know what? When I was a kid, uh, and I think I, I might have been like 12 or 13, I, uh, I'd been fixing friends' computers. And so I'd do these house calls, you know, from place to place. But, you know, the earliest job that I think, you know, really had an impact on me was in college. I worked at the MIT contact center. And so I'm answering the phones doing tech support. And so your friends are calling in and your professors are calling in. And, you know, when they've got an interesting or a weird question, I loved it. You know, if it was a hard thing I'd never, you know, uh, heard before or required some research like that, that was really exciting. And uh, what I didn't necessarily like to handle were the you know, 17th password reset call of the day. And so, you know, flash forward 20 years later, uh, working in contact center automation, it's a technology that I wish I had, you know, back in the day when, when I was there in that contact center. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's a really awesome story. Well, you know, if you worked there today or worked at a help desk today, I might be guilty of being one of those password reset people, but, uh, but gladly for, for our talk today, I wasn't. So yeah. Uh, and you know, good. it's, 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 uh, the, the customer is right. You know, if you need that password reset, then let's go ahead and do it. But those operations are something that can be so easily handled <laughs> by a machine. Um, if it's, you know, structured properly, if the conversation design goes well, if it can understand you and the myriad voices and accents that will call in, but it's not necessarily something that you need to have a person, you know, handling day in and day out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think is a really good transition into, you know, kind of the next part of our conversation. You know, you talked about your origin story, if you will, at least into the workforce a little bit. And, um, I am. I imagine that maybe part of what you just mentioned it would inspired Replicant a little bit. Would love just a quick overview on you know you being co-founder and CTO, kind of where Replicate came from, where the idea came from, and um, you know how it's evolved a little bit over time. Yeah. So my background is artificial intelligence and, and machine learning, and uh, you know now I've spent about five years in the contact center space, and I've also been you know an executive sponsor on a number of our largest partnerships. So I've seen everything from you know the ideation of a call flow that somebody you know maybe wants to automate all the way through you know design development deployment and then expansion but you know the company really started because we never had a very good conversation with a machine it felt slow it felt clunky it felt like the voice was very robotic and i'm sure everybody's had an experience like this it's so frustrating to you know be in a time of need and not have that machine understand you and you know we really believed that we could do better. There was this whole deep learning revolution of, you know, 2015, 2016. We've got fantastic technologies out there, but there was another piece that felt like it was missing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for years, uh, I had worked in, you know, the world of, of AI and ML. And um, 
I've also had a lot of experience working in, um, you know, the art world and with art galleries. Um, I got a little bit frustrated oh, with wow. the world of technology, you know, uh, after having an, an acquisition of a company that went to eBay. And, you know, I said, I want to take a little bit of a break, took a left turn and, uh, you know, started this art gallery of computer code. And that was really a great way to explore um, what is it like to pair a software developer together with a sculptor and see what they'll create together, <laughs> and, you know, just make this technology, you know, for, um, for, for its aesthetics and for its beauty. And, you know, that was a fantastic time of, of working together in the art world. And, and something that I learned was all about the aesthetics of conversation. You know, how does language work? We worked with a number of linguists and, you know, it's just a, it, it was a reminder of what was missing in the world of contact center automation and conversational AI was this, this human touch, you know, you can tell when a conversation is going well, it feels a little bit like a dance. And I think that, yeah. you know, prior to Replicant, we didn't really have that, uh, the computers were not really able to groove. And so I think if nothing else, we're teaching these machines to have much more, um, a sort of, uh, it's just a much better conversation with a machine that emphasizes not necessarily empathy, but urgency. It's not, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about that problem. It's, let me deal with that right away. You know, this is a problem that I, as a machine, can solve right away. And I think that really resonates with our callers. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Look, I always, <clears throat> I tell customers all the time, hey, you know, people who are maybe a little bit nervous about, um, you know, uh, automation or their customers talking to quote unquote bots, right? Hey, look, personally, when I call in, if I'm talking to a good bot, I love it. I, I'm so glad for me to even, you know, in my personal customer journey, for me to even get to the point where I have to make a phone call usually takes a lot of steps. It's usually my least preferred method of, of, uh, of contact, right? And so when I get on the phone and I'm like, oh, wow, this is something that's going to just solve my issue right away and it's going to be a great experience. It makes me happy. Um, you know, you said something something there, you know, you worked with a bunch of linguists and things like that. And I want to uh, talk for a minute about, you know, some of the some of the ethics of, of what Replicant does. You know, a lot of times, you know, um, bots, IVR, AI has a very distinct um, sound and also very distinct on what they can pick up, right? So uh, where I live, for instance, in Pensacola, and I know you're you're from West Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, people sometimes have have very thick accents that can can be hard to understand, right? Um, great people love them, but um, can you talk a little bit about how you know the technology works uh, with with Replicant uh, and kind of just deciphering some of that and making sure they really you know grasp um, what everyone's saying and all their different dialects? Yeah, understanding equitably, you know, all of the different voices that are going to be calling into a system like this is so important. You know, we work with a number of um, uh, quick serve restaurants. So, you know, if, if anything breaks in a, in a fast food restaurant, the menu boards have a problem. The, uh, you know, you have a problem with your point of sale system. There's something wrong with the drive through. People are calling in and they're getting to replicant. And, you know, the what I don't want to happen is that a certain person who calls in and maybe sounds like me gets service immediately, but another person who's got a different accent, you know, a, a different way of speaking calls in and has to wait, you know, for a person because the machine can't understand them. And there are many sort of technological pieces that we've built uh, from uh, custom transcription models to be able to transcribe a variety of voices better through the NLU, the natural language understanding brain that takes what you've said and then understands what to do with it. You mentioned I'm from West Virginia. No one gives you yeses or nos in West Virginia. It's y'all got it, boss. And so, you know, you, you, you have to have, a, a, you know, a system that's flexible enough to take these myriad ways that people speak and, um, 
uh, and and be able to understand them sort of equally. And I think that follows through into you know uh, a voice that everyone can understand as well, and you know having the expressiveness there. And the other side of the the ethics piece is deciding what calls a machine should or shouldn't take. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, emphasizing urgency over empathy, but uh, there are mm -hmm. a number of situations where, let's take roadside service. You're on the side of the road, you call in, you get replicate, you know, immediately pick up. There's no hold time. You don't have to wait for an agent. But if we hear that, you know, you've locked your keys in the car, the first question we're going to ask is, is there a child or a pet or somebody in the vehicle? And if there is, let's immediately get that over to an agent because this is now, you know, perhaps yeah. a life and death situation. You know, every minute matters. Um, we could, of course, take this call end to end, but we don't want to. We think that this is something where we want to, you know, reserve agents. We want to reserve the humans who, you know, can provide that empathy, can provide that creativity um, for the caller. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, you know, one of the one of the, the kind of common myths about automation and, and AI, especially in the contact centers, that oh, you know. Uh, Automation is going to replace agents, or you know, robots are going to take all of our jobs, right? In in more in more common theme, and so um, could you expand on, on that just a little bit too, and, and talk about you know how the goal of Replicant isn't necessarily to replace your entire contact center. In fact, it enhances you know kind of the agent and customer experience. Yeah, I think if you look at uh, you know these dual hiring challenges that contact centers are facing right now you've got uh, more and more call spikes that are due to pandemic stress, uh, supply chain issues, uh, weather problems, and, you know, particular outages or cybersecurity threats. And so there's all these, you know, issues that are causing calls to spike in a contact center. And at the same time, you've got a reduction of agent capacity from the great resignation, from uh, hiring challenges and just sort of difficulty getting people, you know, to stay and, and attrition issues. Um, maybe you've got uh, wage inflation, and that's a problem for folks. And so you've got kind of a, a crunch on both sides. You're getting more and more calls into your contact center, and you're having a harder and harder time, you know, retaining agents. And so when you think about contact center automation, it's really how do we automate these tier one customer service calls on really whatever channel people are coming in on? It could be voice, it could be chat, it could be SMS. So yeah. you empower the agent to focus on the more complex and the nuanced challenges. And the result of that is, yes, you may have a, um, you know, a, a contact center that had, you know, a thousand agents pre-COVID is probably not coming back with a thousand agents. But for the people that they retain, they're able to pay them more. They're able to make sure that they can like level them up with skills and, uh, you know, keep them sort of more and more um, in line with exactly the kind of challenges that the customer is calling about. And when we speak to the agents just as i did in you know when i worked in a contact center i wish i had a, a robot that could take these you know minutia calls because that's not what's necessarily rewarding about the job yeah no i i, I completely agree and i think another thing you know some people kind of think of or um you know the skeptics uh talk about when they talk about automation is that you know well hey you know this all sounds great but it really relieves contact centers and doesn't so much, you know, help agents out, right? It's either going to replace them or take the jobs, kind of like we've talked about. But I would love to dig a little bit deeper into, um, you know, day of a life in an agent. You have some experience, which is awesome uh, being one. But, um, you know, allowing them to focus on some of the more critical things, why that, you know, makes a lot more sense for them versus handling things like you mentioned 17 password resets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a, um, I, I got to speak with one of our uh, great partners the other day, uh, Mike Bowman over at ECSI, and they do loan servicing. And so, you know, they're getting 
a, a flood of calls that are happening around tax season, you know, and this is, uh, mm -hmm. uh, people have got questions about their 1098T tax forms, you know, it's, it's pretty technical language that people are using. So I think it, again, speaks to our abilities in uh, custom transcription models and the NLU brain to really understand, you know, all these crazy forms that, you know, people are talking about. But um, Mike told me that they no longer have to do seasonal hiring, you know, just to handle this kind of flood of calls. And so if you think about, you know, the uh, stress of a business having to, you know, interview 500 people so that, you know, maybe 250 people will take, uh, you know, a, a potential job and maybe you keep 100 of them that all have to be, you know, kind of uh, removed and then rehired, you know, for the next season, um, they can onshore a lot of their uh, contact center workers, they can pay them more, they can level them up and upskill them. And it isn't such a, a kind of seasonal hiring job anymore. It's something where you can stay in the contact center longer. I've seen some numbers where attrition rates in contact centers are as high as 70%. And it's a difficult job. It's a grueling job, especially when you have to take on a lot of these minutia calls. And so it's uh, certainly an improvement for the uh, person who's working in the contact center, but for uh, folks who are managing these contact centers that have to deal with um, something like a 70% attrition rate, it, it's also a, a yeah. big way to alleviate those issues. Yeah, that's great. No, and I think I think it's it's awesome. You know, a lot of contact center leaders um, who consider a solution like this often, you know, the the thought there, you know, being you know caring about people as they should is is always, oh man, well I don't want to have to replace my agents. But I think that the reality is there's a lot of turnover, especially now, unprecedented turnover in the contact center anyway. And I think you make a great point. You know, it's not about hey, you've got to tell people, sorry, you you know you can't work here anymore. We've got something that can replace you, but you know, maybe when people do decide, oh, you know, this isn't my place, I'm going to go work at the next contact center, I'm getting out of the industry, or I don't want to be an agent anymore. Um, you just, you don't rehire that role, because now, like you've said, you've got uh, something in place that can can streamline and, and, you know, make the operation just more efficient in general. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, in contact centers, you're always thinking about, you know, what what is the best tool for a job? You know, is this something that can be automated? You know, uh, then, uh, Maybe that's something that the machine can take uh, for your you know, best employees and your best hires, you know, give them that meaningful work and ways that they can make a, a real connection with the caller and sort of build you know, a relationship with people who are, are calling into the system. Awesome. Yeah. You know, Benjamin, one other thing I would, I would really love to talk about is, you know, you mentioned um, all the changes in the contact center space. And I mean, heck, you know, even just replicant in itself and, and technology similar to this is, is, is game changing, but um, looking ahead a little bit in the next maybe one to three to five years, um, any any plans for, for replicants specifically? And, and um, if you don't want to share that, that's fine. But where do you kind of see the market evolving and going? What's the next you know iteration on uh, just context center automation? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, I think it's certainly no no secret. I'm happy to talk about sort of where where we're headed. You know, the we we began with tackling voice. You know, we found it to be the most difficult challenge. Uh, you know, we hadn't really seen a solution that felt li like it. Uh, you know, maybe you'd get 10% resolution rates here, 5% resolution rates there. People mostly just didn't like talking to these machines, and so uh, yeah. What one of the big innovations was what's in it for me? You know, why should I talk to this machine? We're very upfront when you call into the uh, replicant system. We say, you know, I'm a thinking machine on a recorded line. We don't give it a you know cutesy human name. We don't use that 
clickety-clack typing noise to cover up the, the latency, but we're very upfront that, you know, it's a machine. And some people say, well, I got to talk to a person right now because I've never had a very good, you know, conversation with a machine. So surely I have to go and, you know, speak with a person to get my problem solved. And um, coming back to this, what's in it for me, we can do an API call into the CCAS system and say, hey, I'm happy to get you over to an agent, but it looks like there's, you know, 15 minute hold time right now. You know, in the meantime, can I get your policy number? Can I get your name? And now we're pulling them kind of back into the conversation and, and really re-educating callers that, hey, this is not like the you know, previous generations of machines that you've spoken with before. So that was a, a big learning for us in, in the world of voice. Um, obviously, no uh, contact center leader wants to have a separate voice AI vendor and a chat AI vendor and an SMS AI vendor. Yeah. So you know, we've now released a, a suite of omni-channel products where the same AI brain uh, and and transcription models that you've trained uh, in the world of voice can be usable, you know, on, on any of the channels that uh, your customers either call into or um, imagine I call in, I you know, authenticate, I'm greeted. Uh, maybe this would be an insurance use case, so I need to add a new car to my policy. I I add that car, but uh, I need to collect the VIN number. Uh, maybe the VIN number is not something I necessarily want to read over the phone. Uh, it would be, you know, quite difficult. So we can switch channel, text the person, you know, give them a little link that opens up on their phone. They can type it in. Uh, same thing for, you know, credit card collection. I can ask you your credit card number, but maybe you're in a crowded place. You don't want to read it. Or yeah. if we're texting you a link, you can sort of use your thumb and everything gets, you know, auto-filled for you. So there's no need to even remember that number. So this seamless on omni-channel experience where, you know, you can call in, get serviced, maybe we move over into text. And then the next day you say, oh, I forgot, I need a copy of my proof of insurance, texting into the system on that same number that you were you know, chatting with the, the day before and being you know, now served on that channel, I think is very transformative. Um, another thing that we've uh, released recently is uh, support for over 30 languages. And so um, you know, wow. being able to uh, yet again, service callers in the language you know, that they're calling into, and uh, that, that's actually very uh, impressive. And I'm proud of the team of, you know, building models in a way that, um, you know, languages other than English are not an afterthought and, and they aren't really lower um, accuracy rates or resolution rates. They're just as good as the uh, English experience. And um, a learning for me was that as you train these models in additional languages, they actually get better. Because the machine, you know, wow. yet again, just has a, a better understanding of sort of who the caller is and the kind of phrases that people might say, kind of in the same way the machine gets better when you don't just focus on yes and no, but you also get the you got it, boss, and that's right, and all of the, you know, kind of other myriad <laughs> ways that, that people will say things. Wow, that's really cool. 30 languages. That's, that's I mean, that's really impressive, whether you're traveling or like you gave the example earlier of you know, uh, a worker at a specific type of, 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 you know, fast food place or something tries to call in. Um, they're not having to, you know, try and adjust and, and, you know, speak English or, or whatever. They can just talk in the language they're comfortable. Yeah. And, and you really, can switch mid flow. Cool. So it's not like, uh, you know, choose your uh, adventure and then you have to stick in that language. You know, you could, you could progress until you get to a point in the conversation where you say, you know what, uh, I think I'd rather speak Spanish for this part of the call and then, you know, proceed in that language. Huh. Oh wow, that's really really cool! Awesome, yeah, I didn't even know that. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call call in somewhere just to test it out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, I think there is a little bit of this retraining of people's uh, expectations around these experiences. Um, I think sometimes when people talk with our thinking machine for the first time, um, you know, 
it's it's quite a magical experience and it really gets the wheels turning on you know what this can be applied for there's so many industries that i think this is going to uh you know touch and impact in, in a positive way awesome yeah well benjamin it, that great you know believe it or not we're we're almost coming up at our time here i really really appreciate the conversation very insightful and um, I mean, love what you guys do and, and love even more hearing where you're going and how you're thinking about the market next. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, thanks so much. I, I think I'll just leave listeners with, um, you know, there are many players in this space. And I think as you're kind of looking around at different solutions, always look for case studies. I think there's so many people who say we have used cases, you know, we could use this for this, we could use this for that, you know, find out. What has this been used for? How many million calls has it taken? What are the resolution rates? What's the expected business outcome? And, and really dig into those numbers because uh, you know, not all of these systems are, are created equal. And it's, uh, it, it's something that uh, because it's so new, it can be sometimes a, a difficult buying experience, kind of knowing what's, what's real and what's not. So yeah, dig into those case studies uh, to better understand how uh, the systems function. Yeah, I agree. You know, go with somebody who's been there, done that and has learned lessons the hard way and, you know, has tried and true and tested technology. Don't be, don't be, you know, someone's guinea pig. I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again for having me. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, no, thank you, Benjamin. I appreciate it. Uh, see you next time. See you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Inflow Experience Podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to hear more, consider subscribing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or any other major podcast platform. Yeah.